Now I have the privilege to introduce to us today our speaker, affectionately called Craig. He prefers that from the last time we spoke, he prefers to be called Craig, but his name is actually Dr. Craig Fee, preferring to be called Craig. This, I met Craig in seminary and I sat in his class and the tears would run down my face because unlike most of my classmates then, they came to seminary having been practicing in church before. It was my first rodeo. I was not doing it much in church other than being a Bible, um, a care group leader or a Bible, what we call home group leader, whatever the, the, the terminology is. And so I came to seminary not wanting to be there, but sitting in the classroom and realizing, God, I'm just doing this for you. But hearing the truths of God just being poured out. And he has a way of breaking down that which is big and, 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 and hard and making it simple and have me there crying. Into, I wasn't a typical student. I was not coming from a background where I was preaching and teaching and I was sure. No, I came not sure. And I'm saying, God, I am here and I, and, and, and I have so much luck. I need you to do this. And as he spoke, he brought tears to my eyes for every single class. The tears will be there. And I'm saying, God, am I in the right place? But I learned more and more and more and through this man. And he was the one who introduced us to Mark, our famous Mark, our friend Mark. He introduced me to Mark. He looked at me and he saw my need for love. And he said, you should meet my brother. <laughs> he saw the desperation in me. He saw, he saw lack of love all over me. And he said, you should meet my brother. And since I met Mark, you know, you know, guys, my life has not been the same. Mark has been so much to us. But I want to introduce my, I'm going to still call you my professor, although you don't like it. <laughs> my professor, the one who the Lord used in seminary to minister his grace and his love and to open my eyes to that which he can accomplish in me. And so I want to pray for you, Craig. I want to pray, Father, I pray for your son. That as you used him, couple of years ago, I'm going to use the word couple of years ago, to minister to my heart and to transform me. Father, I pray that you'll use him this morning to transform the hearts of those listening on Zoom and on Mixlr. Father, that you'll use him this morning, God, to share the truths of Christ, that he will speak, God, because you would have spoken in him and through him. Father, first and foremost, we thank you that his mouth is anointed first by you. His heart is yours. His mind is yours. We declare today that he has the mind of Christ. We declare today that God, he, he pursues you and he wants God to seek you. He wants to serve you. That is his heart. And so, Father, as humble as he is, we thank you, Father God, that you continue to pour more and more and more in your son. Minister to him and minister through him today, we pray. Cause our lives to be transformed having experienced him today. And so we give you thanks, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Sir Craig, over and over to you. Uh, thank you, uh, Ava. That was a fantastic introduction. Um, um, uh, wow. I need, to, uh, need to recalibrate here myself. Um, <laughs> So uh, Ava talked to me uh, 
few weeks back and, and asked if I would come and uh, share uh, with, with you for the month of June uh, about what it means to be missional. And I don't know if that's a term that's familiar with, that you're familiar with or, uh, or not, but I'm just going to give you a, a briefing on that whole idea and that whole movement. Uh, over the past few decades, there have been many within the church who have, who have begun to feel as if the church has become so routine that it's become kind of uh, set and established patterns where the whole idea of being Christian is wrapped up in this one idea, and that's going to church. And, um, and because they are seeing that pattern, there is a desire, uh, a stepping back, uh, where people are like, well, why is the church here in the first place? And people began to, um, to ask questions, those kind of questions. Why are we here? What was it that Jesus came to do? Why did he establish the church in the first place? And uh, so the idea of missional comes from the, the root word, of course, is mission. What is the mission of the church? And there are many passages in the New Testament where Jesus identifies critical uh, components about what, what should be happening in the life of the church. Um, but there is one place where he says quite specifically, in three places, Jesus says, um, the Son of Man came. Uh, and when Jesus says the Son of Man came, he's talking about himself and he said, hey, listen up. This is why I'm here. And in one, he says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you got to love that because Christians, you know, we're all about eating and drinking. You know, it's like. Christian life is no good if, if, if a meal isn't involved. And we got to get past this COVID thing because we got to get back to the meal, right? And uh, uh, the second thing he says is the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Uh, and so there's a, there's a, a, there's a need to grasp that, that, that deep, profound uh, understanding that, 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 you know, God so loved the world that he gave his son and he didn't just give him as a, as a, as a uh, ultimate sacrifice so that we could get to heaven. But Jesus came on this earth to serve this earth, to serve the people of Israel, ultimately, but understanding that that would go from this place, uh, Jerusalem and from Israel into all the world. And then finally, Jesus says, um, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. And it's there that the whole missional movement has focused in on and said, if Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost, then that is why we exist. We call ourselves the body of Christ. And that's a beautiful analogy. But if we are indeed that very thing, if we are the body of Christ, then we should be as Christ and our very existence as that body should mirror Christ. And if Christ said he came to seek and save that which is lost, then the church itself should be saying at every moment, we are here to seek and save that which is lost. And I've been to a lot of churches. I've seen a lot of mission statements. 
and a lot of them are more about what happens inside the church than its posture and its position towards what is outside of the church. And that is, I think, a, a travesty. And I think it's something that needs to change. And I talk about it a lot. And uh, uh, as not only do I teach at ATS, uh, Alliance Theological Seminary, but I also, um, uh, I, I'm a consultant for young pastors uh, and some old pastors, but mostly young pastors because young pastors are able to embrace new ideas. And I work with young pastors who are interested in seeing the posture of the church move towards a more missional posture. And uh, so one of the things I do at ATS is I also, I teach a, uh, a missions course, uh, Perspective of Missions. And Ava, you took that course, Perspective of Missions? Yes, no, you did not. Donald, how about you? Yeah? Perspective in missions, no. You started teaching that after I left. Yeah, I did, Craig. I did, yes. All right. Well, anyway. After I left, um, Craig. Sorry about that. We, we should okay. rectify that. You can, you can do it on a Sunday morning. I'm still here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, in that perspective of mission course, one of the things that we talk about is like, where does the whole idea of, of mission begin? Because as you can see, I started with Jesus. And, and so, but, but some people are like, well, missions, the idea of mission and being missional really started with Paul and the, uh, the first disciples and others say, no, it started with Jesus. And I'm going to say to you today, it did not start there. It starts in Genesis it starts in Genesis chapter 3, and that's where we are going to go today. Now, we're familiar with the story, right? Uh, but just a quick briefing. Um, as, as God is, is doing his, his in, the incredible work of creation, he ends each, uh, each section, each day, and he says, and it was good. And, uh, and when he comes to the end of that, they, uh, chapter 2 then focuses in on man. And in chapter 1 and in chapter 2, we see God actually engaging with his creation, where he is speaking with them. He's giving them direction. There is, there is, there is the beginning of what I understand the entire... The, the, the essence of our faith is not a series of doctrines that we believe. The essence of our faith is a covenant relationship. That, that when God created us, he created us with the intention of being in covenantal relationship. And that is established immediately upon the, uh, when you look in Genesis when man is created and he begins to speak to them and tell them uh, his desire for them, he wants them to, to uh, oversee the, the creation that, that he has finished, just finished uh, doing. And he asks them to, to give names. It says, in, 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 it says he, that God brought the animals to Adam to name. So it wasn't like, oh, hey, go and do this work, you know, 
and uh, and check in with me in a little while. God was actively participating with Adam through the process of naming. For me, this is this is a, a beautiful description, a beautiful uh, uh, understanding of that covenant relationship. That it's something that that God wanted from the beginning was this engagement, this interaction. It's spoken so beautifully through throughout the Old Testament where God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Where he, he just wants to be in relationship with us. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that? Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be in relationship with us. So the beginning of chapter three in, in uh, mine, it has that little title that says The Falls. <laughs> and uh, in it, the, the serpent comes and as we know, he, uh, he, he begins to uh, use uh, um, beguiling language and begins to twist and distort the things that, that, that God had spoken to Abraham and it's, it, I'm sorry, to, uh, to Adam. And it's interesting because, because Satan doesn't go to Adam. Satan goes to Eve, who would have heard from Adam the things that God had said. And it's always interesting to me to see how Eve re repeats back the, the directions that, that Adam gave. And, um, and it's either one, not good listening, or two, not good teaching. Um, and... And or probably three, which is a little bit of both. And uh, but it finally gets to the point where they they that says that Eve took the Adam uh, apple or the, the fruit, saw that it was good and pleasing uh, to to look at, and for the desire for greater knowledge, uh, takes the fruit, eats it, and, and gives it to Adam. And this is where um, this is where we begin. Uh, our passage. It says that this is in verse starting in verse six, I think it is. I'm sorry, my light is not good. Somebody got it there. You gonna put it up for us? Ah, yes. There we go. Six through ten. Uh, uh, it says then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed sewed fig trees together and made coverings for themselves. And it says, then the man and his wife, okay, he says, then the Lord, uh, sorry, the, the wife, then the man and the wife, I'm sorry, in, in verse eight, the man and the wife uh, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And so first, I want you to understand, like, this isn't just an issue of, of disobedient children. This is an issue of covenant breaking. If it was God's desire to be in this covenantal, covenantal relationship with those that he created, this was, it's not just that they sinned. But they, when he came, they hid from him. They're moving away from that covenant relationship. And, and what was beautiful and what was 
what was amazing about the whole creation process has now been marred. And part of us all, like there's something about this, this that we identify with, but there's something inside of our hearts that really just like, oh, you know, why did that have to happen? And, uh, but, but, but here's the thing. The beauty of this story is, is God. Because, because, because we know God. We know that he is omniscient. We know that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, right? And he walks into this situation. Now, I'm going to tell you, if I know that my kids have, have messed up, like all I have to do is just walk into my house and I see the shoes lying, you know, like what's the rules about what you do with your shoes? You know, you put your shoes away when you come in and don't leave them lying in the middle of the hallway. You know, like, like there's just something inside of you that clicks in is like, like, why did you do that? You know what the rules are. And God is, is sitting and viewing this entire situation and everything inside of him, or in our opinion, should have been coming on like, what did you do? Why did you do that? I can't believe that you did that. Like, this is the response that we would expect to have heard from God in this situation. Like, you blew it. Do you know, like, do you know when, uh, when in chapter 5, I think it is, Noah? It says, God said, I, I, I regret that I made you. I regret that I made you. And this would have been like, why didn't he say it here? Why didn't he walk right into that garden and say, you foolish children, why did I even make you? Because this is what we would have anticipated. But, but here's the thing. God asks the question. And he's not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer. He's not asking the question because he's like, oh, what happened? <laughs> he knows. So the question then becomes a revelation for us as to the very nature of God himself. He asks the question because he is a God who pursues where are you? Where are you? Where are my children? Where are my people that I that I created in my image? Where are those that I have given full reign of this entire this entire garden? Where are you? God comes asking because God is pursuing. Now you understand that this is, this is, this is really what I would call the, the second engagement that we really read in Genesis. The first is his direction, giving directions to them and helping through that process. We see that. This is the first dialogue that he's had with, with, with mankind as he's made them. This is the second and in it, he's demonstrating something for us that we have to get deep into the heart of us at the very nature and core of who God is. He is a God who pursues. 
So often we see God as that wrathful God. So often we see we 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 live under this this the tyranny of this of these these markers, these standards. This is what it, you know, like I need to please God. I need to I need to perform for God. I need to keep reminding God that 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 I'm okay, that God's lucky to have me on his side. And we live under this tyranny. It's something that we do for ourselves simply because we don't see that God here, knowing full well our fallenness, knowing full well our brokenness, knowing full well that we are flawed, comes and says, where are you? And the question isn't a, it's not rhetorical. It's not sarcastic. It is not like this diggy little question. It is a question that is seeking out those who he loves. And he's not going to go looking for you and looking for them and say, ha, I found you, you knuckleheads, you know, like he's not, that is not his posture. He's waiting and he's opening himself up once more to a relationship with those who he calls his own and says, where are you? I'm here. This idea of pursuing, this idea of mission is something that is established at the very beginning of creation at the very beginning of our recorded history of God with the, and his relationship with those who he calls his own. And the beautiful thing about that is that it says that they hid themselves and the, their word was we hid ourselves because, because we, we were naked and we knew it. Their shame has been exposed. Prior to that, it says they were naked and knew no shame, but now they have shame. And, and understand that to help them through their shame, he doesn't just, again, he's just not sitting there like, okay, I'm here. Like, he actually moves towards them. It says he, he, he covers their shame. He creates the clothes to cover them so that they could approach him with more freedom, more boldly, and and work back towards that relationship and the restoration, the redemption of mankind with their God, with their creator. What God does that? What God do you know? What deity have you ever read about who pursues him like this? In chapter 12, it says, uh, it's, it talks about the call of Abraham. And in, in my opinion, like, yeah, through Noah, he reestablishes the covenant. Uh, he says, I'll never do that again. I'll, I'll never destroy. 
and 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 God works out a, a new way of 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 reestablishing that covenant. He does it through Abraham. And and I, I want to read it for you. I, I didn't have it in your um, reading, but I would like to read it for you. It says that the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. So, so understand, in the new covenant that he's establishing here with Abraham, again, it's, it's back to that, I will be your God, you will be my people. I will bless you. I will establish you. This is this is like the, the beginning of the, the new beginning of his whole idea for the which was from the beginning to be in that lasting and covenant relationship. He now identifies Abraham and and largely we we don't get past that first line. Like Abraham, you know, like what's the whole point of Abraham? I will uh, I will bless you, I make a great nation out of you. Uh but here he says, I will bless you and you will bless all nations. If you understand that this is a God who pursues and that the fallen nature of mankind that has now entered into the world and the world by itself is going to constantly be moving away from God. That God, instead of coming back into the garden as he did in the beginning and engaging as he did with Adam and Eve, now establishes a nation and this nation is going to be that new pursuit mm -hmm. to the world i'm gonna bless you i'm gonna make your name great i'm gonna make you into a great nation and you will bless all nations yeah it's genesis my friends <laughs> It's not the New Testament. The beginning of the missional idea, the beginning of the missional posture, the beginning of this whole understanding of, of the, the church and its, its purpose begins here in the very, very beginning of Scripture. It begins in the very the fabric of his relationship with, with humankind, Adam and Eve, and next abraham to understand that he as a god has his is out to pursue us and as he does that and as he establishes that relationship with us and as he blesses us in the midst of that that our purpose then is to continue moving towards those who have been disenfranchised and those who have been disconnected from god that we join in that same pursuit that we saw in the garden and begin to go to the world and say, where are you? So often I hear people talk about like missions being about, you know, like going to, you know, like preaching the word, preaching the doctrine. But the beginning of it is this. 
this desire to reconnect and reestablish with those who are moving in the opposite direction, those who are hiding in their shame, those who know that if they stand in the presence of God will, 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 will have their, their, their sin exposed. They, they feel like they have the judgment of God just waiting to catch up with them. But here we are saying, where are you? Just as God himself said to, Abraham, uh, to, to Adam, where are you? Catch this, my friends. Catch this and grasp it and let it sink into your souls so that when you think about the idea of missions, it does not become a program. It does not become another activity that you add to your life. That when you go to Kenya, you're not going to Kenya to, to do things. You're going to be a part of that, that larger, greater desire of God to reconnect with all the world. Those who are hiding in shame and are moving away from that God who is doing that very thing, saying, where are you? You are carrying that message. And take that and embrace people and love on them. And as he said to Abraham, bless them. Bless the nations. Bless them wherever you go. Love them so, so much that there's no question as to, as to, who you, to whom you belong and where you come from. This kind of love can only come from God. Amen. Amen. Can I pray over you? Yeah. Yes, God. Father, Holy Spirit, move now. Let the truths of, of of your word sink deep into their hearts mm -hmm. father i pray for anyone that's here with us now that is still hiding in shame who still doesn't believe or understand that you are a god who's pursuing them and not pursuing as to correct or pursuing as to condemn but pursuing because you want to reestablish that relationship, Father, I pray here and now, Lord, that you would break through those lies and break through those, 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 those pains and wounds, Father, that prevent that truth from sinking in. Set them free. In your name we pray. And Father, I pray that for this church, that as they grab hold of this truth, Father, that it would so penetrate their hearts and so penetrate their very beings, Lord, that they see themselves as ones blessed, as ones that have been, have been pursued and are reestablished and embraced by the Father himself. Oh, God, that they would, they, they would in, take that embrace 
Father, that they would live in that embrace and that they would go with that to the world and embrace others with that same truth. Let them be a people that, that model God himself and take on his very, your very nature, your very character. That wherever they go, salt and light, that people would taste you and touch you and see you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.